We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 285 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022, and we have a new national champion in college basketball. Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk, one-seeded Kansas, a 72-69 win over eight-seeded North Carolina at Caesars Superdome. In New Orleans, late night on Monday night, uh, the Tar Heels led by 15 points at the half at 40-25, and yet the Heels lost the game. Uh, North Carolina had been 46-0 in the NCAA tournament all-time in games in which UNC led by at least 10 points at the half. That was the longest such streak by any team in NCAA tournament history. Uh, Well, that streak now over, and that record now is 46-1. and one. Kansas was down by as many as 16 points in the first half. Largest come-from-behind win in national championship game history. So how about the last few days for Carolina? The epic win in the Final Four over Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's final game as Duke head coach. And then just two days later, the greatest gack job in national championship game history. I mean, hard to be mad about Carolina's season if you're a Carolina fan, but man, and also painful ending. Well, hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I will attempt for this to not be an oh-so-painful show. Uh, Things, however, do continue to be oh-so-painful for the owner of our commanders, Dan Snyder. And we on Monday had more, much more, in the latest scandal for the Danny, this alleged financial impropriety. We now know who told Congress about this alleged financial impropriety, including the alleged keeping of ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with other NFL teams. That person's name is Jason Friedman. Uh, We also on Monday got quite the nasty back and forth between the commanders and the lawyer of Jason Friedman. Here's the bottom line. Uh, Somebody is wrong if not outright lying, okay? Either Jason Friedman is wrong and or lying, or the commanders are wrong and or lying. Uh, Friedman and the commanders can both be right, okay? Uh, That cannot be the case. I'll let you decide who's more trustworthy. Uh, But next segment, I will sort through the latest, including telling you about this guy, Jason Friedman. Are we going to look back upon Jason Friedman ultimately as a hero of sorts, as a man who helped to oust Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders, as a man who proved key in a coup of the Danny? Or could Jason Friedman actually end up making Dan Snyder at least somewhat of a sympathetic figure? Yeah, I said it. Sympathetic figure. 
Uh, also on the show, I will discuss the latest on our favorite Commanders receiver, Terry McLaurin. So Commanders insider Ben Standig of The Athletic in a piece that came out on Monday morning revealed that Ron Rivera at the NFL's annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida last week said that no teams have reached out to the Commanders about a possible trade for Terry McLaurin, quote, and we wouldn't entertain it, end quote. Uh, I have some things to say about that. Uh, And I will talk Nationals. Uh, Not one, but two unlikely players emerged on Monday in terms of players who could be making the Nats opening day roster. Uh, One guy, position player Lucius Fox, is emerging more out of necessity than anything. But the other guy, starting pitcher Yoan Adone, maybe, possibly, is a diamond in the rough of sorts for the Nats. Uh, Boy, could they use that given the state of their pitching. Uh, By the way, a salute to the skies in honor of Gene Shu, former head coach of the Bullets. Uh, We on Monday evening learned that Gene Shu had passed away. He was 90. Uh, Gene Shu is the Bullets slash Wizards all-time leader in regular season head coaching wins, 522. He was the Baltimore Bullets and Washington Bullets head coach over 13 seasons. Uh, Gene Shue was the Baltimore Bullets head coach 1966 to 1973, and then was the Washington Bullets head coach 1980 to 1986. He led the Bullets to the 1971 NBA Finals. Yes, there was a time, uh, the 1970s to be precise, uh, during which the Bullets actually made multiple NBA Finals. Uh, That was well before my time, and I'm not sure if it's a time the likes of which we'll ever see again, but uh, that time did in fact take place. At least I think that it did. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Robert Krakauer. On the latest with the owner of our commanders, Dan Snyder, this potential financial impropriety, writes Robert, I have an idea about how we can do away with Dan Snyder. Congress investigating him is great, but it will not be great in February when the committee is led by Republicans. However, there is a governor's race for the state of Maryland, and I am sure each candidate would be eager to come out in opposition to Snyder one of the least popular public figures in the state. If just one candidate for governor announced that he would investigate Snyder to find damning information, the others would immediately follow that lead and announce the same. It might be bad form to be so transparent, but I don't think anyone really cares. They can announce that if they are elected, they will do everything they can do to produce the outcome every voter wants, which is to compel the NFL owners to oust Snyder. I like this plan, and I know your podcast is frequented by the most elite crowds in our area, which is why I brought this idea to you. I bet one of your well-connected listeners could get the ball rolling on this collective dream we share. Let's make it happen, Galdi. Well, thank you, Robert, for your modest proposal on a potential means of ousting Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders. I guess if the Maryland gubernatorial candidate has no interest in the Commanders next stadium being in Maryland, uh, the candidate could pledge to investigate Dan to find damning information. I tell you who likes your plan more than anyone, Virginia's governor, Glenn Youngkin, because your plan would basically gift wrap the Commanders next stadium to the state of Virginia. But Robert hit on something that I do think is potentially part of Dan Snyder's strategy, this potential red wave in Congress this November. If Republican candidates do well in the midterm elections, and that's an if, but if that happens, uh, then there is an excellent chance that all of this congressional involvement with the commanders goes bye-bye. I mean, the partisan divide on this involvement has been very clear. Democrats are for the involvement. Republicans are against the involvement. So I would bet that Dan is just trying to hold on for the next seven months. And he'll probably be campaigning himself for every Republican on a ballot in November. Dan may well be going door to door to campaign for every Republican on a ballot in November. Don't be surprised if Dan knocks on your door. And look, if he knocks on your door, invite him inside. Okay, invite him inside for some milk and cookies. All right. Dan has had a rough last few months. Show some sympathy to the Danny, please. 
Uh, email from Rich on the commanders on the field. Uh, writes Rich, I'm a little pessimistic about the next WFT season. Carson Wentz lost his job to Jalen Hurts. The next team's owner decided Wentz was a mistake with which the owner could not continue. He didn't have a replacement for Wentz. It didn't matter. He just wanted Wentz gone. Then Ron Rivera acted out of desperation, throwing away draft picks for the Colts' mistake, who they were anxious to get rid of. Rivera signed up for Wentz's salary, knowing that the WFT could still have the worst quarterback in the NFC East. And Wentz is fragile. What are the chances of two season-ending opening Sunday quarterback injuries in a row? I'll have to take a prop bet on that. On defense, Chase Young got one and a half sacks last year. That's only one and a half more than I had. Jamin Davis was put in a bad position. Davis can be a good weak side linebacker, but lacks the experience and skill set to be the Mike linebacker. The misuses of Davis and Landon Collins are serious mistakes in judgment by a coaching staff that is supposed to be defensively minded. If we take a step back and our win total decreases, is Rivera in trouble? What does it mean for the rest of the front office? It could be a long season. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rich. Not exactly a cheery email, but uh, you raised good points. We've talked about a good bit of them on the podcast. Uh, If the commanders have a double-digit loss 2022 regular season, say 7-10 and 10 or worse, uh, then I do think that Ron Rivera could be in trouble. As I talked about on last Friday's show, episode 283, the commanders for the 2022 regular season are projected to have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, this is according to Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, Warren does his strength of schedule rankings for upcoming seasons based on projected win totals, from Las Vegas odds makers. Uh, I think that this is actually a very good way of assessing schedule strength prior to a season beginning. Uh, if the commander's 2022 schedule does in fact prove to be not all that difficult in terms of quality of opponents, but the outcomes aren't very good, then I do think that Ron could be in trouble, especially if a major reason for the team not being very good is the quarterback for whom Ron traded Carson Wentz. Uh, If the team wins at least nine games this coming season, then I do think that Ron is safe. Keep in mind, too, that the commanders reportedly have given Scott Turner a contract extension that takes him through the 2024 season. Not that Dan Snyder couldn't afford to buy out Scott and every coach on Ron's staff, including Ron, but that extension certainly seemed to be a sign that Dan isn't planning on firing everyone after this next season. So in other words, Ron would have to give Dan a reason to fire Ron and his staff after this upcoming season, as opposed to Dan already thinking that he may be firing Ron and his staff after the 2022 season. Email from Mike Holmes on the Commanders. Hey, Holmes, uh, writes Mike, love the pod. Uh, With free agency trades in the draft, players get assigned numbers. Like Cam Sims was number 11 last season, but now Carson Wentz will be number 11 for this coming season. When we switched from Redskins to WFT, I could see why we didn't issue numbers 33, 9, 7, 44, 81, etc. These are all classic Redskins numbers, but does the name change to Commanders free up these numbers? I mean, a John Riggins number 44 jersey is still an awesome and iconic thing to see, but a 44 Commander's jersey isn't a thing. So do you think the classic numbers should be released? I think so. How weird would it be to see a Sean Taylor 21 on a Commander's jersey? Uh, thank you for the email, Mike. Mike, are you trying to cause more trouble for the Commander's, okay? Are you trying to start a riot, man? Uh, No, the commanders should not start issuing those numbers. If for no other reason, then enough people would be furious over those numbers being issued and would see the issuing of those numbers as disrespectful to the all-time great Redskins players who wore those numbers, even if no disrespect was intended. Now, I get what you're saying about a number 44 commander's jersey not being a thing, but if you're the team, uh, you need to try to maintain as much of a connection to the history of the team as possible. What you don't need to be doing is further distancing yourself from the history of the team. So many fans feel distant from the team with its name 
no longer being Redskins. A big part of the rebrand to me should be to try to engage these fans and handing out numbers like 44, 7, 9, 81, etc. would only tick those fans off even more. Uh, now, I have received multiple requests to talk WrestleMania. A tweet from Edge, uh, not the wrestler Edge, not Adam Copeland, but the listener Edge, uh, writes Edge, can I get a brief off-the-top-rope segment with my man before we talk about Dan and the Commander's drama? I know wrestling ain't the same, but Stone Cold stunned Vince and Pat McAfee. Uh, email from Josh, did you watch WrestleMania? Uh, yes, I did watch. Uh, WrestleMania 38 took place over the weekend, a two-night affair at Jerry World at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. I have been a follower and observer of the inner workings of the pro wrestling business for decades. Uh, I used to do the segment Off the Top Rope on the radio, a weekly look inside the world of pro wrestling. So here's the deal with WWE. Uh, the product overall is not good, Okay. Uh, and that's not the fault of the performers. Uh, they, for the most part, are great. Uh, the product overall not being good isn't a matter of, say, presentation. You know, WWE's production values are spectacular. The looks of WWE shows are always top-notch. The biggest problem with the WWE product, and this has been a problem for 20 years now, uh, is what we call the creative, okay? The storytelling, the booking, uh, WWE continues to be run creatively by its owner, Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon is a legend, but Vince McMahon also lost his creative fastball years ago. And anyone who follows the pro wrestling business is aware of this. The product too often tells stories that are choppy and or not good and or not compelling and or painfully unfunny when attempting to be funny, you know, pro wrestling in the mid to late 1990s was ultra popular among males 18 to 35. When pro wrestling was rolling in the mid to late 1990s with, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and the NWO, pro wrestling was white hot among that oh so coveted demographic males 18 to 35. There would be parties on college campuses to watch pro wrestling. I know because I was in college at the time. Pro wrestling in the mid to late 1990s was cool. And that's no longer the case. And that hasn't been the case for a while. And that's a shame. But, and this is a big but, uh, WWE is making money like never before uh, due to these enormous television deals that WWE has received from Fox and NBC Universal. So I don't think that Vince McMahon cares about what I just talked about because he's making money like never before. Anyway, all of that said, WrestleMania still is almost always good, and it was good again this year. Uh, I really enjoyed the Cody Rhodes-Seth Rollins match. Uh, I thought that that was the best match of the show. Cody looked good. Seth is outstanding. Seth might be the best worker in the company. Uh, I enjoyed Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, uh, the Roman Reigns act is the best thing in WWE right now. And it was great to see Steve Austin back. I thought that he did quite well in his match with Kevin Owens. You know, that was Austin's first match since 2003. Steve Austin now is 57. Uh, he certainly looked his age at times, especially working with the two massive knee braces, but he also still is in great shape. And the match with Owens was good. I mean, Austin was delivering and taking suplexes on the outside. He took bumps. You know, he by no means embarrassed himself. I did think, though, that Austin's return should have been a much bigger deal and should have been built up in a much better way. I mean, Steve Austin is one of the biggest stars in the history of the business. Like I said, first match since 2003. And we didn't even know that there would be an actual match until the night of the show. And do you know why that was the case? Because Austin, like me and like so many others, isn't a fan of WWE creative. Austin doesn't trust WWE creative. He hasn't trusted WWE creative for years. And so Austin wasn't willing to do his first match in nearly 20 years because he recognized that that should be a colossal deal. And he didn't trust 
WWE creative with that deal. And I guess that he and the company worked something out. But right there is an example of shoddy storytelling. I mean, Steve Austin, first match since 2003. Could have been, should have been built up in a much better way. So there you go, my WrestleMania thoughts. An abbreviated installment of Off the Top Rope on the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, Vince McMahon should consult with Imageworks for help with how to make WWE even better. Uh, if you are looking to be more creative and effective with how you run your business, how you communicate and reach customers, and how you operate digitally, then put Imageworks to work for you. Imageworks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company. And Imageworks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. Let Imageworks tell you how your website can be even better. You have nothing to lose. Take advantage of this free offer. Go to imageworkscreative.com, click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. That's imageworkscreative.com. Image, one word, works, plural, creative.com, imageworkscreative.com. Click on contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Uh, you can also call or text the owner of Imageworks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Uh, Imageworks and you can plan your success strategy, create exceptional brand and web experiences, market your business to customers, evolve your brand and website experience, and so much more. Take advantage of the free offer, a free review of your website and SEO visibility by going to imageworkscreative.com, clicking on contact near the upper right corner, and don't forget to mention the Al Galdi podcast for that free review of your website and SEO visibility. Imageworks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. Well, as you likely know, history is filled with what are called whistleblowers. Uh, whistleblowers, people who inform people or inform entities of other people's or other entities' illicit activities, bad boy behaviors. Uh, some whistleblowers are more admirable than others. Uh, some whistleblowers are more famous than others. Some whistleblowers are movie worthy. You know, one of Al Pacino's famous movies, Serpico, is about a famous whistleblower, Frank Serpico, a retired New York Police Department detective best known for whistleblowing on police corruption. Well, I don't know if Jason Friedman will ever have a movie made about him, but we do now know that Jason Friedman appears to be the whistleblower in the alleged financial impropriety by the commanders. Uh, we've been talking on the podcast about this situation. I, on Monday's show, episode 284, had on as a guest sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports. Uh, A.J. has been at the forefront of the reporting on the commander's alleged financial impropriety, including this past Saturday night coming out with a story that the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, which is the congressional committee that has been investigating the commander's workplace misconduct scandal, has received information that alleges that the commander's kept ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with other NFL teams. Uh, that is a major NFL crime, if true. Uh, according to NFL bylaws, all teams are required to pass along 40% of ticket sales from each home game, minus ticket handling charges and taxes, to the NFL, which then disperses the funds to visiting teams. An NFL team doesn't just keep 100% of the team's ticket revenue. There is revenue sharing. Well, we on Monday morning got yet another layer added to this uh, alleged uh, financial impropriety by the commanders. Uh, Sports Business Insider Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic in a piece that came out on Monday morning reported that Jason Friedman had, within the last two weeks, testified before the House Oversight and Reform Committee and alleged financial malfeasance at his former team. Uh, it is believed that Friedman's testimony is what sparked the House Oversight Committee to look into this potential financial impropriety by the commanders. So Jason Friedman is the whistleblower. 
Uh, who is Jason Friedman, you ask? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Uh, I can tell you a few things about Jason Friedman. Uh, he is a local. He went to high school at Walter Johnson High School in Bethesda, Maryland in the 1980s. Uh, Jason Friedman was a ticketing employee of the Commander's franchise for well over 24 years, March 1996 to October 2020. Uh, that is an incredibly long time to be employed by an NFL team. I, on Monday's show, talked about the many high-level executives who have been leading Commander's business operations uh, since the start of the calendar year, and some of these people who have been leaving Commander's business operations were just hired by the team within the last two years. Well, Jason Friedman worked for the team, now known as the Commander's, for 24 and a half years, March 1996 to October 2020. Jason Friedman predated Dan Snyder. Uh, Dan bought the team in May 1999. Friedman started working for the team in March 1996. Now, if the name Jason Friedman sounds familiar, it should. Uh, Friedman has previously supplied a letter to the House Oversight Committee supporting the allegations made by former team employee Tiffany Johnston against Dan Snyder. Uh, Tiffany Johnston is the former team employee who this past February 3rd at the hybrid roundtable before the House Oversight Committee regarding the commander's workplace misconduct scandal alleged that she at a work dinner in 2005 or 2006 was, quote, strategically, end quote, seated by Dan Snyder so that he could put, quote, his hand on the middle of my thigh until I physically removed it, end quote. She said that this was done purposely and without consent as he touched her in a sexual manner. Johnston also alleged that Dan later that night, quote, aggressively pushed, end quote, her toward his limo before Dan's attorney intervened, advising Dan not to engage in the, quote, very bad idea, end quote. Well, Jason Friedman, in a letter to Representative Carolyn Bibaloni, said that he witnessed Dan try to grab Johnston and push her to his limo. So we have heard about Jason Friedman before. So this guy, Jason Friedman, who was a ticketing employee of the Commander's franchise for 24 and a half years, is the whistleblower in this alleged financial impropriety by the Commanders. And him being the whistleblower adds up, and there being a whistleblower very much makes sense. Take you back to this past Friday. Austin Hacker is the Republican spokesperson for the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Hacker on Friday put out a statement blasting the Democrats for continuing to investigate Dan Snyder and the commanders, and Hacker in his statement referenced a whistleblower, quote, the leak of one-sided, unconfirmed, unsupported allegations from a disgruntled ex-employee with an axe to grind is just further proof the Democrats' investigation is a waste of Congress's time. Nothing the committee has heard from any credible witness points to any financial improprieties. In fact, the only credible witness in a position to know the facts the Democrats have heard from has denied any such improprieties. The Democrats' investigation is nothing more than an attempt to draw attention away from their party's abysmal performance, both in the White House and Congress. The American people deserve better oversight from Congress. End quote. So that was the statement from Austin Hacker this past Friday. That statement clearly said that there was a whistleblower, and it sure looks like Jason Friedman is that whistleblower. Now, uh, the obvious question is, well, is Jason Friedman credible? Well, he could be. Uh, a number of the former commander's employees who are victims in the workplace misconduct scandal came out on Monday via Twitter in support of Friedman. Uh, Rachel Engelson, quote, Jason was my boss for six years. Trust me when I say that he's not just a disgruntled former employee. As is being suggested, I'm proud of him for coming forward. This further demonstrates the corrupt and toxic work culture perpetuated by Dan Snyder. End quote. Uh, Melody Coburn, quote, I'm waiting for confirmation from Congress before jumping to conclusions, but I can tell you one thing is for sure. Jason is a good man and I believe him. I remain hopeful in the process and hope more employees come forward with information. Hashtag release the report. End quote. Uh, Megan Imbert, quote, as mentioned earlier, I will wait to hear from Congress on all of the facts. I do want to publicly state that I believe Jason Friedman. I stand with him and I am grateful to him. I hope more former colleagues follow his example. 
End quote. So all of these former team employees supporting Jason Friedman adds to his credibility, but there are two important points to be understood. Uh, number one, Daniel Kaplan, in his report on Monday morning, noted that, quote, Friedman supplied no evidence to back up his claims, end quote. Number two, Kaplan, in his report on Monday morning, also noted that it was unclear whether Friedman held a position that would have given him access to records or other evidence that would support his claims. So it's very possible that Jason Friedman is telling the truth and has sounded the alarm on a misdeed by the commanders that could ultimately result in Dan Snyder being ousted as owner of the commanders. It's also possible that Jason Friedman is bitter about no longer working for the team and has just made something up, you know? I mean, it's also possible that Friedman thinks that the team has been guilty of having kept ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with other NFL teams, but is incorrect in that belief or can't prove that belief. There are a lot of possibilities here. You know, as much as we all want Dan Snyder out as owner of the team, the NFL can't and won't oust him as owner of the team based on an accusation that isn't true or based on an accusation for which there is no proof. I mean, you as a multi-billion dollar professional sports league can't be ousting owners based on things that didn't happen or based on things that you can't prove happened. And just because Dan is a bad owner and maybe even a bad person doesn't mean that he's guilty of everything of which he is accused. And I do believe that if Dan is proven innocent of this ticket revenue skimming allegation, uh, there will be people who start to view Dan as being picked on by Congress. Heck, there already are people who feel that way. You can always tweet me at Al Galdi. I on Monday got this tweet from Dale the Mailman. Quote, he sucks, but it's looking lately like Dan's getting the Trump treatment an endless train of accusations, smears, and scandal that there's little or no tangible evidence doesn't matter. The goal, throw so many dirty bombs that they exhaust his peers and those in charge. End quote. Uh, especially given the partisan divide with congressional involvement with the commanders, you know, Democrats in Congress are for the involvement, Republicans in Congress are against the involvement, I do think that we could see Dan become, dare I say, a sympathetic figure to at least some degree in the minds of some if he's proven innocent of this ticket revenue skimming allegation. There's also this issue, uh, whether Congress should be looking into the inner workings of a football team to begin with. You know, the commanders on Monday afternoon struck back and struck back hard. Uh, a commander spokesperson on Monday afternoon issued the following statement to multiple media members, quote, there has been absolutely no withholding of ticket revenue at any time by the commanders. Those revenues are subject to independent audits by multiple parties. Anyone who offered testimony suggesting a withholding of revenue has committed perjury, plain and simple, end quote. So the team very clearly is saying that Jason Friedman is a liar and has committed perjury. But we then later on Monday afternoon, got a statement from Jason Friedman's attorney, Lisa Banks. Quote, the Washington commanders just released a statement to members of the media. In that statement, they defamed my client, Jason Friedman, who came forward at the request of the Congressional Oversight Committee and testified truthfully with evidence. Unfortunately, Mr. Friedman is unable to defend himself publicly due to contractual constraints that prevent him from speaking freely. He would be happy to recount his testimony if Dan Snyder and the Washington commanders allow him to do so. I will await their response. End quote. So we had quite the back and forth on Monday afternoon. Look, if Friedman is a liar and if he has committed perjury, uh, then he does deserve to be crushed. I mean, you can't just make stuff up about Dan Snyder because you don't like Dan Snyder. But if Jason Friedman is correct, if Dan Snyder and the commanders are guilty of having kept ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with other NFL teams, then I do think that Dan is in trouble as owner of the team, a trouble in which he has never been. 
Uh, NFL owners may not care a ton about the sexual harassment of female NFL team employees, but we do know that NFL owners care a lot about their money. And when you start messing with the money of other NFL owners, you as an owner are in trouble. Uh, By the way, did you see what NFL insider Peter King of NBC Sports wrote in his Football Morning in America column that came out early Monday morning? Quote, if there's meat on the bone to the latest charge against Washington owner Daniel Snyder, the NFL might finally have the sort of poison pill that would force Snyder to sell the team. It's curious that A, the NFL has continued to defend Snyder and allowed him to hold on to his franchise, which is the biggest sinking ship in the NFL by far, and B, Snyder would want to continue to be the most hated man inside or outside the beltway, taking gut punch after gut punch as his once-proud franchise bleeds so much money and fandom. But if the Perez, as in A.J. Perez, story is true, it would be a way out for the NFL and allow the league to get an owner into Washington who would restore its legitimacy, end quote. How about that from Peter King? Longtime NFL insider Peter King calling the commanders, quote, (laughs) the biggest sinking ship in the NFL by far, end quote. Uh, Well, if the commanders are guilty of having kept ticket revenue that was supposed to be shared with other NFL teams, then Dan Snyder could be sinking as owner of the team, and the name Jason Friedman could end up living in Washington, D.C. sports lore. But uh, the ifs right now are a lot larger than the actual known facts. Up next, Terry McLaurin. Uh, We on Monday morning got new quotes from Ron Rivera on the commanders potentially trading Terry McLaurin. I'll react to what Ron said after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we on Monday got a Terry McLaurin update, uh, an update on the man who is by far the best receiver on the Commanders, uh, a man who is the best receiver taken by the franchise, now known as the Commanders, in an NFL draft since Art Monk, who was taken by the Redskins in the first round of the 1980 NFL draft. Yeah, you can look it up, go through the team's drafts, you won't find a better receiver than Terry McLaurin taken by the team in an NFL draft since Art Monk, who was taken by the Skins in the first round of the 1980 NFL draft. So you by now likely know the contractual situation with Terry McLaurin. The 2022 season will be the fourth and final season of Terry's rookie contract. Remember, no fifth-year option in Terry's rookie deal. He was not taken in a first round of an NFL draft. He was taken in the third round of the 2019 NFL draft. Uh, Terry, of course, has been terrific for Washington in each of his three seasons with the team. The commander signing Terry to a contract extension this offseason has been a major topic, and it should be, but signing Terry to a contract extension this offseason has never figured to be easy, and signing Terry to a contract extension this offseason may well have gotten more difficult in recent weeks, uh, not easier. So with all of that as the backdrop, Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic in a piece that came out on Monday morning revealed that Ron Rivera at the NFL's annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida last week said that no teams have reached 
reached out to the commanders about a possible trade for Terry McLaurin, quote, and we wouldn't entertain it, end quote. Now, the reason that even the notion of the commanders trading Terry McLaurin is out there is what just happened with Tyree Kill. The Miami Dolphins on March 23rd agreed to trade five draft picks to the Kansas City Chiefs for receiver Tyree Kill, a 2022 first round pick, a 2022 second round pick, a 2022 fourth round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a 2023 sixth round pick. Uh, Terry may not be Tyreek, but Terry isn't that far off from Tyreek. And if Terry is driving a hard bargain on a contract extension and or doesn't really want to sign a contract extension with the commanders and the commanders can get a haul even close to the five draft pick haul that the Chiefs got for Tyreek, then shouldn't the commanders at least be quietly shopping Terry? But Ron Rivera says, hails to the knot. Uh, no teams have reached out to the commanders about a possible trade for Terry McLaurin, quote, and we wouldn't entertain it, end quote. Uh, before we go any further, let's acknowledge this. It is possible that Ron Rivera was lying to Ben Standig. Uh, it is possible that teams have reached out to the commanders about a possible trade for Terry McLaurin and that Ron is entertaining trading Terry, you know, maybe not now, but eventually, but Ron knows the storm that would be caused by him admitting to all of this. So Ron said what he said to Ben. I mean, we all know that NFL executives and head coaches lie or at least mislead all of the time. I mean, see everything that was said by the Seattle Seahawks this offseason about Russell Wilson prior to trading him to the Denver Broncos. So I am open to the possibility that Ron was lying. But if Ron was telling the truth, then I think that the takeaway is quite simple. Uh, well, if you're not going to even be open to trading Terry McLaurin, then you need to extend Terry McLaurin. And you really need to do it this offseason. Now, I am not one of these people who is panicking over the commanders having not yet signed Terry McLaurin to a contract extension. Contract extensions can take time. Contract extensions often don't get done until well into off seasons. You know, the start of training camp can serve as an unofficial deadline for a contract extension. And as we've come to know in sports and in life, deadlines make deals. Uh, many recent contract extensions for Redskins slash Washington football team players have happened deep into off seasons. Uh, think back to last offseason. Washington and Jonathan Allen didn't agree on their contract extension until late July of last year. We're still in early April, so there is plenty of time for the commanders to reach agreement on a contract extension with Terry McLaurin. But this offseason is the time to get a contract extension for Terry McLaurin done. Terry is a year away from unrestricted free agency. The bidding war that Terry could incite in unrestricted free agency a year from now could be massive. And so if you're Terry McLaurin and the commanders want to talk contract extension this offseason, they're going to need to blow you away with an offer in order to get you to sign that contract extension and forego this opportunity next offseason at unrestricted free agency or at the very least being franchise tagged by the commanders. So the commanders very much need to come correct this offseason. Uh, they need to come hard and come correct and ultimately make Terry McLaurin an offer that he can't refuse. Don't let him entertain going into unrestricted free agency next offseason. Don't let the possibility of you having to franchise tag Terry McLaurin next offseason linger because we all know how things work out when our team starts franchise tagging guys. No, make him an offer this offseason that he cannot refuse. As the great Don Corleone, not Don Ron, but Don Corleone said in the movie The Godfather, while talking with a family friend, actor Johnny Fontaine. Johnny wanted a part in a movie, but he wasn't getting the part. And so he went to the Don, Don Corleone, to get that part. And here was part of their conversation. You look terrible. Once a day. Once you to rest well in a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's going to give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, very simple. 
I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. The commanders need to make Terry McLaurin a contract extension offer that he can't refuse. And it's not just about getting Terry to forego this opportunity next offseason at unrestricted free agency or at the very least being franchise tagged by the commanders. This also is about what Terry has had to deal with as a receiver for the franchise. So many stud NFL receivers have been divas, right? Have been these massive ego having, ultra demanding, throw me the ball or else divas. Terry isn't at all a diva. And what's so funny about that is that if any high-level NFL receiver in recent years has had reason to be a diva or reason to complain about things going on, it has been Terry. Uh, Terry, in his NFL career, has caught regular season passes from the following quarterbacks. Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, and Garrett Gilbert. Uh, Some guys on that list are better than others on the list, but uh, that obviously was not exactly a parade of quarterback greatness right there. There has been a merry-go-round of quarterbacks with which Terry McLaurin has dealt, and yet you have not heard a single peep from him even suggesting displeasure. Consider what went on for Terry McLaurin this past season. So Terry, in the 2021 regular season, played in all 17 of Washington's games, had 77 receptions for 1,053 yards and five touchdowns on 130 targets. Terry became the first Washington player with consecutive 1,000 receiving yard regular seasons since receiver Henry Ellard had three consecutive 1,000 receiving yard regular seasons from 1994 through 1996. But Terry did what he did in the 2021 regular season despite dealing with inconsistent quarterback play and despite so often being Washington's only major pass-catching threat. How about this? Terry, for the 2021 regular season for Pro Football Focus, had the lowest rate of catchable targets among all receivers who each had at least 100 targets. Just 62.7% of Terry's targets in the 2021 regular season were deemed catchable by PFF. 62.7%, less than two out of three. Uh, Also, according to Pro Football Focus, more than 37% of Terry's targets in the 2021 regular season were contested targets as compared to just 21% of his targets having been contested targets per PFF over his first two NFL seasons. Now, you might say, hey, uh, some of that is on Terry. He needs to do a better job of getting open. And there's certainly maybe some truth in that. But to me, there's more truth in just him so often this past season having been Washington's only major pass-catching threat due to the injury problems for guys like Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, and J.D. McKissick. So getting Terry McLaurin to sign a contract extension this offseason isn't just about overwhelming him with an offer so that he will forego what he can encounter next offseason. Uh, getting Terry McLaurin to sign a contract extension this offseason also is about overwhelming him with an offer so that he will put aside any doubts that he may have about wanting to play for the commanders long term. Uh, there really is no good reason for the commanders not to want to sign Terry McLaurin to a contract extension. I mean, he's productive. You know, going back to the pro football focus stuff, Terry finished the 2021 regular season at number one in the NFL with 25 contested catches. Number one. Uh, Terry is durable. Terry, as far as we know, is a model citizen. I mean, Ron Rivera constantly talks about culture. Who better exemplifies the culture that Ron is trying to build with the commanders than Terry McLaurin. And Terry plays a position at which it's okay for NFL teams to spend money. You know, in today's NFL, with it being such a passing league, teams really should only be spending big money on positions that greatly impact passing uh, in a positive fashion on offense and in a negative fashion on defense. Spending big money for a high-level receiver is perfectly acceptable in today's NFL. We're not saying to spend big money on a running back here. We're saying to spend big money on a receiver. Look, if the commanders don't want to pay Terry McLaurin what it's going to take to keep him, or they don't believe that he wants to stay, then they do need to trade him, okay? 
But the commanders should want to pay Terry what it's going to take to keep him. Uh, what Ron Rivera said to Ben Standing certainly seems to indicate that. And so now it's just a matter of getting this contract extension done. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Exactly. Make Terry McLaurin an offer that he can't refuse. All right, well, something that's certainly going to be hard to refuse is the idea that the Nationals are going to struggle in the upcoming Major League Baseball 2022 regular season. We certainly hope for the best for the Nats, and you never know, maybe we end up being surprised. But yeah, I mean, on paper, this does not appear to be a very good Nats team. Uh, MLB's opening day is this Thursday. The Nats on Thursday afternoon will host the New York Mets at 4.05. The Nats on Tuesday afternoon will play their final exhibition game of 2022 spring training, a game against the Mets at 12.05. And emerging on Monday for the Nats were two guys who look like they just may be making the Nats opening day roster. Uh, those two guys are position player Lucius Fox and starting pitcher Joanna Doan. Uh, so with Lucius Fox, the Nats are dealing with some injuries in the infield right now. Super utility man A. Ray Adrianza in an exhibition game last Thursday night suffered a left quadriceps strain and appears likely to begin the 2022 regular season on the 10-day injured list. We also now have shortstop Alcides Escobar dealing with a stiff neck. And so this guy, Lucius Fox, who is getting ready to begin the AAA season with the Nats AAA affiliate, the Rochester Red Wings, instead has been summoned back to Nats camp in West Palm Beach, Florida. And while nothing's official, it does appear as if Fox will be on the Nats opening day roster out of necessity. Uh, the 2022 season will be Lucius Fox's age 24 season. He was born in the Bahamas, was signed by the San Francisco Giants as an international free agent in 2015. The Nats claimed Fox off waivers from the Orioles this past November 30th. He's not some highly touted prospect or anything like that. Uh, he's one of many new names that, if you're a Nats fan, you'll probably be getting used to hearing uh, this coming season. I mean, look, the Nats still are lacking organizational depth, and so a guy like Lucius Fox is looking like he'll be making the Nats opening day roster, whether he actually ends up playing for the Nats in the early portion of the regular season, we shall see. As for Johan Adon, so Adon was the Nats starting pitcher in their exhibition game on Monday afternoon, a 4-3 loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. He allowed three runs in four innings. That's not a great final line, obviously, but he did have five strikeouts versus one walk, and Nats manager Davey Martinez in a postgame press conference said the following about Adon. Take a listen to this, quote, I like him. I really do. I know he's part of our process of being young, but I think he's come a long way. If I had to make a decision myself, I think he'd start with us, but I'm going to go back and talk to general manager Mike Rizzo. We definitely need starters end quote. Uh, that obviously came off like Davey wants a don in the Nats season opening rotation. And it's not often that Davey will publicly lobby for something like that. You know, like you would think, okay, behind the scenes, maybe Davey lobbies to Mike Rizzo for Joanna Don to be in the Nats season opening rotation. But for Davey to put that out there publicly, as Davey did on Monday, uh, that really stood out. You know, as things had stood, uh, the Nats season opening rotation was poised to be, in some order, Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, Eric Fetty, Annabelle Sanchez, and Josh Rogers. Uh, we know that Corbin is starting the opening day game. Uh, major questions, obviously, with all of those guys. Well, could it be that Joanna Doan is poised to make the Nats season opening rotation. Uh, obviously, Davey would like for that to be the case. Now, as is the case with Lucius Fox, Yuan Adon is not some well-regarded prospect. Uh, the 2022 season will be Adon's age 23 season. He's best known for starting the Nats season finale last year. Uh, the Nats last October 3rd recalled Adon from AAA Rochester to start the Nats final game of the 2021 season. Adon had thrown a total of just 18 innings above the high A level 
in the minors in the 2021 season. The Nats signed to Doan as an amateur free agent out of the Dominican Republic in July 2016. He, at the time of this game last year, was the Nats number 22 prospect per MLB pipeline. So again, not some highly touted prospect, but Joanna Doan ended up pitching pretty well. Uh, Adone in what ended up being a 7-5 loss to the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park last October 3rd, allowed two runs in five and a third innings, and the second run scored on a two-out infield single by Christian Vasquez off natural reliever Patrick Murphy in the top of the sixth. Uh, Adone had nine strikeouts versus three walks, a hit-by-pitch, and a wild pitch. He gave up six hits, a homer, and five singles. He threw 57 strikes versus 37 balls on 94 pitches. I mean, it's one game, okay? We're not going to go crazy over it, but all things considered, not bad. And given the state of the Nats, uh, I am all for giving young guys chances, and I am all for the Nats uh, erring on the side of youth. I mean, I'm much more interested in a Joanna Doan being in the Nats season opening rotation than I am in an Anibal Sanchez being in the Nats season opening rotation. So why not have Joanna Doan in your season opening rotation? It's basically a certainty that the Nats rotation in the 2022 regular season is going to change a lot uh, due to a variety of things, you know, ineffectiveness, injury, injury, recovery. Uh, in the case of Kate Cavalli, a top prospect, being called up. So what the Nats rotation is to begin the season it will almost certainly be very different than what the rotation is as the season goes on. So I get it. Like we shouldn't get too caught up in what the Nats season opening rotation is. That said, if the Nats, the rebuilding, pitching, starved Nats, uh, believe that they may have a diamond in the rough in Joanna Doan, hey, let's find out. All right, one more thing before we call it a show. So the Capitals, it turns out, are back to having a goaltending competition uh, as the 2021-2022 NHL regular season winds down. The Caps are looking like they're going to be making the Stanley Cup playoffs, probably as the second wildcard team in the Eastern Conference. But the Caps' goaltending question has remained a question really throughout this season. And Caps head coach Peter Laviolette on Monday made it pretty clear that the goaltending competition is back on. Uh, Laviolette talking about Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov. Quote, we've got games down the stretch for a push for somebody to make a case. They'll probably both continue to get games. I'd like to have a guy that has emerged and moved forward from that group. They're both good goaltenders, but you want somebody to really take hold of it. There's an opportunity down the stretch here. End quote. Uh, what Laviolette said on Monday is a direct reaction to the recent play of Vitek Vanacek, who has not been good here lately. Uh, Vanacek, over his last two games, has stopped just 32 of the 41 shots on goal that he has faced, and he has done that over just five periods of work, and the Caps' last two games have not gone well. Uh, now, two Monday nights ago, March 28th, a 6-1 loss to the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes at Capital One Arena, and then this past Sunday night, a 5-1 loss to the Minnesota Wild at Capital One Arena. Uh, Vanacek had been looking like the Caps' number one goaltender. Him starting this past Sunday night marked him being the Caps' starting goaltender for an 11th time in 14 games, but he's not doing well here lately. It's not like Ilya Samsonov has killed it so far this season. Neither guy has been good, truthfully, uh, but somebody needs to emerge, hopefully, uh, if the Caps are going to make any kind of a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Remember, the Caps did not trade for a goaltender on NHL trade deadline day on March 21st. So this is what we're looking at here when it comes to the Caps goaltending situation right now. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 286, will feature much more on the Commanders. We'll see if anything further develops in this alleged financial impropriety. You know, the Commanders do still have a significant unrestricted free agent out there, receiver slash returner DeAndre 
Carter. Uh, we actually had some DeAndre Carter news on Monday, multiple reports on Monday that he visited the Chicago Bears on Monday and was to visit the Los Angeles Chargers on Tuesday. Carter last season was quite good as a kickoff returner, also made some plays as a receiver. I mean, he doesn't figure to cost much. I'm surprised that the commanders haven't re-signed him. Uh, maybe they still will. Hopefully, they will. Uh, also on Wednesday, Shaw Talk Wizards. Uh, they will be at the Minnesota Timberwolves Tuesday night at 8. And I'll discuss anything of note with the Nationals and Orioles as they wrap up their spring trainings. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. You look terrible. Once a day. Once you're the rest of all in a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's going to give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.